Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley from the Thread Bible Podcast. This is the second of two episodes about the seventh day of creation, the gift of the seventh day rest. And in this episode, God will reveal to us his productivity method for us that will reduce our anxiety, strengthen our physical health, and help us stay on top of our schedule of work each day. It's a very practical lesson from the seventh day of creation. So stay tuned. Welcome to Thread, God's Word tying together all the pieces of our life through verse-by-verse study of the Bible. In season four, we're exploring the bedrock of the entire Bible, Genesis 1 through 12. The Thread Bible podcast is brought to you by MediaLightAsia.com. And I'd like to tell you again about MediaLite's Summer Media Missions Boot Camp. If you're going to live a life of impact, you need to find your voice. And MediaLite has developed a two-week workshop to help you do just that. Come spend two weeks in Northern Thailand with us. We'll have worship every morning, and you'll have professionals help you to discover your natural speaking voice. We'll teach you how to produce professional quality video using the camera you know best, your cell phone. We're going to teach you the rules of photography and help you use the apps and gear that is used by filmmakers like Oscar-winning Steven Soderbergh so you can get your message across. And we believe in working hard and playing hard. So we'll still take time out to hike to jungle waterfalls, navigate a river on one of Thailand's famous longtail boats, and even let you feed elephants by hand in a nearby village as we all enjoy one of the world's most beautiful countries, Thailand. Now let's dive into this episode from Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. I want to talk to you today about five truths about the Sabbath day rest. So I want to, let's look at just a few things. I want to show you a few things, maybe five things about the seventh day rest that are so vital. Number one, the seventh day is the completion of the vision. It expresses the way earth life is supposed to be lived Every day. It is the kingdom of God. And that word kingdom, we get tangled up on it because of medieval castles. And so we think a kingdom is a place. And then we start to think of these physical structures, but that's not what this concept refers to. It's not about a place, it's not about a fortress. It's about the reigning, the reigning actions of a sovereign. The kingdom of God, it's what makes a king more than a man. It's the actions of governing that a king can do. It's cursing and blessing, you know, punishing some things, rewarding some things, extending that kingdom to take up new new lands, developing the resources of, of these people, protecting these people developing their abilities, providing a system of justice, providing national security. This is the vision, and that's the kingdom of God. And that's what this seventh day is all about. It reminds us of the vision God has. And he's going to echo 
in order to drive this down, he's going to echo the number seven throughout the Bible to just say this like you're casting your voice down in a valley and it's just going to keep coming back to you. And so God says, the seventh day is the way I want life to be lived. I want you in my world. I want you my co-ruler. I want you rested with me. I want you sitting on the throne. I want you ahead of your life. I want you in charge of your life. I want your heart settled. I want you to know who you are. And I want you to rule according to my will, but I want you to take authority over your life and over this planet. The seventh day is the completion of the vision. And so we're going to see the word seven, the concept of seven throughout the Bible. A couple of quick illustrations. Moses tells the people, God wants you to keep a seventh day festival Every single week, every seventh day, he wants you to have a festival day, a day of, of the same thing. You cease, and then you rest. You sit on the throne of this life that God is giving you, and you get ready for your next week. And then every seventh year, he wants you to cancel all the debts. Why? That's God's will. That's his vision of the kingdom. And at the end of every seven sets of seven years, God wants you to empty out all the banks. All the land is going back to the original owner's family. The entire economy is going to be turned upside down. And we're going to all start back with the uh, piece of land and go back to the places where the Lord set you up in the beginning of the nation of Israel. It was a radical idea. Uh, Joshua, when he went into the promised land, he was told to march around the city of Jericho Seven times. Why? Sabbath. The rest of God. God reigning, God ruling, and he wants you to reign and you to rule with him. Uh, In the prophets, Elisha. Elisha says to Naaman the Syrian who has a leprosy disease, go wash seven times in the Jordan. Why does he have to wash seven times? Well, it goes back to Sabbath again. It's God ruling. This is the will of God. He doesn't want people diseased. He wants this foreigner to enter Israel. The will of God is being shown. Why? Because God is resting. He's sitting on his throne. Jesus. Jesus remains in the grave on the seventh day. What's he doing? Scriptures say he was taking his place on the throne of all power over earth, and he was becoming the Lord of even the dark side spiritual beings, the devil and his demons. Book of Revelation, seven seals, seven trumpets. I mean, you got sevens all the way through. The book of Revelation as God's Sabbath rest comes back and rules the earth. Uh, Okay, second thing about the Sabbath and the seventh day rest. The seventh day is about grace. Absolute dependence. We are absolutely dependent on God. And if you are absolutely dependent, it calls for absolute submission. And as we enter into that blessed state of submission, we accept also God's invitation to submit to him and now live under his covering. Because there was nothing Adam could do, and there's nothing we can do to make rain, make sunshine, make plants grow, make the atmosphere replenish itself It just comes to us with grace. And the seventh day is a state of grace, a state of God's 
generosity. God is meeting all our needs as we take care of his creation, not with anxiety as though it won't work and we might starve, but we just do our role with God and we lean on him, we trust him, and we rest on him. Third thing about the rest. The seventh day transforms the nature of our work as humans because our work is work done under God's seventh day vision. And that means the work of humans is not a struggle for survival. It is joyful creativity in a world of limitless resources. We're in charge of the planet, but God is on his throne and we have more than enough. And that was his vision for us. It's also not a day where you're competing with other humans in your work. That's not his vision of human work. It's not his vision for human work that it is subject to failure. And it is not his vision for human work that it should cause us anxiety. You know, we learned, Sherry and I went through super dark times in our very first year as missionaries. And we were living in Jamaica and we had physical attacks and we had spiritual attacks. And uh, it got into our head and we were, oh, we were so distressed inside. We would hear people walking around our house at night. They were talking about how to break through our defenses on our window. They would be trying the windows, trying the doors, go away, come back another night. It's so hard to sleep. You're just full of anxiety. And I started having attacks in my mind. And, and I would hear words like, your family will be killed. And as long as I was trying to go, no, no, it can't happen in Jesus' name, I just found myself full of anxiety. And I remember the day that it happened. I, I heard that thought in my mind again, your family's going to be killed. And I thought these thoughts, and they were so different. This is the word that came to me. Okay, well, if that happens, that will be the deepest pain ever, but I'll survive it, and God will heal me, and I'll go on, and I'll live out my mission, and I'll see them again. And all of a sudden, your anxiety goes away. In Thailand, same thing. You know, we've got a lot of, we've had a lot of pressure against us. And I can get trapped with a thought that says, but all these people have trusted you with money to build this campus and you've worked so hard on this campus and so many people have worked with you and you could be expelled from the country. You could have all kinds of things happen and you wouldn't even be able to live here. And I've just learned to say, yep, that could happen. You know, there's nothing in this world that does not have risk. And that would be a really big setback, but I'm not defined by these buildings. They're just tools. And God will use them somehow to help another ministry if we ever do have to leave. I built them because I felt I was supposed to build them. And if I have to leave, I'll survive it. And this, for me, is the end of anxiety. It is a kingdom mindset. God is on his throne. I am on my throne, and I'm leaning on the Lord. So much anxiety comes from taking responsibility to ensure success and to avoid failing in the eyes of others. If you are on the throne with the Father, and you are there alone with the Father, the assets you are using, they're His. The projects you're working on, they belong to Him too. Whether they succeed or they fail, belongs to Him too. 
It's a kingdom mindset. And God has taken his throne and he wants to transform human work. He invites us, come live under me, live under my eternal reign. Be my imagers, live out my desires, live out my vision for this world. You'll always be supplied abundantly. Anything that I want you to do, I will always provide. Paul says, my God will supply all my needs. He had that kingdom mind. So in our human work, we can live and work in a posture of confidence and trust and have an inner calm about us because of the seventh day rest. And the Father invites us into this. Stay tuned. Fourth thing about the seventh day rest, I think this is beautiful, and I didn't catch it all at once. As we enter God's rest and we start living a seventh day life, nighttime comes first. This is pretty interesting because when you look at the the six days of creation, you know, you might see it the way most of us see a day. And, and I would say, you know, God did this. He conquered darkness and the day and the night were one day. And that, but that's not how it reads. It always inverts the pattern. And it says evening and morning were the first day. That's not the normal way humans approach time. God's communicating something like this. I'm going to do a little role play. Okay. He says, hey, hello, my daughter. It's time to start your big day. You say, okay, Lord, well, let me grab my phone first. Because that's typically what we do at the beginning of every day. And then you look at the sky and you see the sun is setting and the sky is beautiful. It's calming and a darkness is stretching across the sky. And then darkness is coming through your home. And you might say, but but Lord, it's 6 p.m. I need sunlight to do my work. No, he says, you need to eat a meal and then take a bath and get comfortable. And let's have a talk about tomorrow's purpose. And then I want you to stretch out like a queen because that's what I've made you to be. And I want you to rest. I want you to sleep and dream. This is the beginning of your work day. Sleep, dream. I'm going before you while you sleep, and I'm going to prepare the daylight portion of your day for you. My work will take 12 of your 24 hours, and then I'll wake you up refreshed and ready, and together we'll go out into the daylight world and we'll accomplish something important in the lives of others and we'll be a blessing to this planet. You are going to love this life. Because that's how God sees a day. Your day begins as the sun goes down. The first thing he wants you to do at the beginning of your big day is rest. He wants you to enter your Sabbath rest. Sit on your throne, stretch out like a king or a queen, and just sleep and dream. And when you wake up, half your day is going to be done, but it's the half that God is working on. 
It's a beautiful thought. And I'm trying to get my mind to do this. It's so hard because usually it's like sun comes up and I say, yes, the day. And I'm really trying to train myself that as the sun goes down, I say, yes, my new day begins. And you know what? If you'll pay attention to your evening ritual and your bedtime ritual, and you don't just you know fill your mind with violence from TV and all kinds of chaos, but you really take a planned look at your next day and call it a day for something, give it one purpose for that day. And then as you rest, your mind is working on it and God is organizing things. It's a beautiful way. It's a beautiful way to live. Last thing about the seventh day. This is also amazing from the text. In days one through six, the writer always echoes this phrase. And there was evening and there was morning the first day or the second day. However, day seven does not have that. It has no no time mark at all on it. And that's intentional like everything else in this book. God's last gift to the world on day seven is an endless seventh day. It has no beginning. It has no ending. It never closes off. The first chapter of the book of Genesis and this last three verses, you know, that spilled over into chapter two, they all become the record. We called it the creation overture, the record of the original vision of the earth. And this gift that God gives us, it's the last gift to the planet, a seventh day of rest where he invites us to join him on the throne, and that's where it stops. That's where the timekeeping ends. Now, we said that in the beginning, tohu vabohu, that power that destroys everything and darkness, were the default state of the universe. But the seventh day rest is the new default state that God has created, and he superimposes it on the universe. It's a layer on top of the old system of chaos, and it is his final blessing on the world that he's made. It says God blessed, not the planet, not man, not the animals. He blessed the seventh day. He made it a thing. He blessed the seventh day, and he hollowed it. That word hollowed means it's a priestly thing. It, it means that he considered the seventh day sacred. He wiped out the division of sacred and secular. There's no more division of that. This eternal seventh day makes every day a sacred day because God has blessed his seventh day of rule. It's an amazing final gift of love that he has given to all the nefesh of the world, all the embodied life forms. This is his dream. It is his vision for his planet. It has been his eternal intention. It is the clearest expression of his will. And if you want to know the will of God, read Genesis 1. Read the creation overture, and you will capture the will of God. Will means desire. It means heart's longing. If you want to understand how God feels about our world, read Genesis 1. 
If you want to understand what the kingdom of God means, read Genesis 1 and read its conclusion with the seventh day and you will see the kingdom of God. Now, when Jesus arrived on the scene to rescue creation from its bondage, he declared, first of all, that he was Lord of the Sabbath. And then he said a second thing that's very significant. He said the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for man. The seventh day rest was made not because God needed it, but because man needed it. That God could take his throne and be the ruler of this planet and invite us to rule with him. That was made for man. Now, sadly, humans will ruin everything in time, it seems, even the weekly Sabbath festival. And it was meant to be a time of restoration for humans and animals and nature, but by Jesus' day, it had degenerated into a legalistic ritual of religious obligations. And he just would not overlook what religion had done to the Sabbath day. And he went to war on it against the oppression of the seventh, the seventh day rest, Sabbath, seventh, same word. This eternal seventh day rest, it was an essential element, and it still is God's plan for our planet, the new default state, and something that you and I can reclaim for our lives today through Jesus. We could have such a great discussion. I wish I could have you right here with me now. There's so many things we could discuss just from this passage about our life and work, our life and the sense of significance, our life and our anxiety. I've never had so many friends on anxiety medication. God does not want us to live like this. He wants to give us liberty and freedom from this. If you've got some questions, I would love to have a whole episode just to to respond to questions. So don't forget, send us that 20-second recording to Asia at gmail.com. This text, Genesis 2, 1 through 4, it ends with a formula. And that formula is the writer's way to move us when he has a new character in the book of Genesis and he wants to bring them on the stage or he wants to take them off the stage. He begins with these words and it's called the Toledot formula. Verse 4, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth as they were created. So this is like the the genealogy. This is the genealogy of heaven and earth as they were created. And the creation overture now ends and we lower the lights slowly. And again, this overture, chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 2, verse 4, it's all here to show us the dream God had and the dream he still has about what this planet and what all its forms of life are all about. Up to now in our story, there's no villain. There's no rebellion. The dream is intact. The vision is alive. All things are being ordered just the way God intends. His will is perfectly done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's all just enjoy this moment of perfection for a few seconds. You know, when things are perfect, you have to learn to appreciate them. 
to taste them and savor their goodness. The heavens and the earth and their host are in perfect harmony with their creator. All is very good. Unfortunately, this is about to change as the story moves forward in our next episodes. But there's hope, my friend. God is at work even right today as we speak. He is at work to restore his vision of the seventh day and to take earth even higher than its original creation. The best is yet to come. Expect God to use you today because you are the light of the world. 